Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The Gospel of the Lord. How do you enact change in society? Broadly speaking, there are two kind of major ways, two major avenues that one can choose to pursue in order to bring about change. And they're both related to power. A power is the ability to act and to do kind of what you want to do, the ability to institute a change. Avenue one is about acquiring power, right? You get into a position of power, and then once you're in that position of power, then you can kind of do what you want to do. You can make the choices that you want to make. An example of that is right now, we kind of have primary elections going on, so there's all different kinds of individuals that have put themselves to run for various offices, all the way from president to senator to representative to district judge and on and on. There's lots of things to vote for people about. All these people are vying to enter into these positions of power, and once they get into that position of power, then they can act. They can make changes. They can do what it is that they want to do. Another example of this is kind of all war is based upon gaining power and acquiring power over either an area or a people so that you can kind of do the changes that you want to do. This is how America was founded, right? People got together, they built up their armies, they armed themselves, and they went to war so that they could be in charge of this land and the country. And they acquired that power, and then they made the changes they wanted to make. So that's one way. Uh, another avenue that you can pursue in order to make change is you can protest power. Uh, this sometimes is also called influence power. So you can protest or you can influence power. And here you're not trying to gain into the position of power. You're not trying to acquire power or get into that spot. You're just trying to influence the people that currently hold those positions of power and to get them to do the things that you want them to do. So an example of this would be like the bus boycotts and the marches that the civil rights movement engaged in. Uh, right? They weren't trying to place the current people in power. They just wanted them to change their minds, change their policies. They wanted to enact new laws and new practices that would treat black people fairly and get rid of the discrimination that was going on. Another example of this is uh, unions, like in a corporation, right? They go on strike. They're not trying to take over management. They're not trying to acquire that position of power to be in charge of the company. They just want the executives to do the things they want them to do, whether that's give them higher pay or better working conditions. So you have these two ways that you can kind of engage with power and you can try to work 
and make change. Keep those in mind as we take a look at our reading from John this morning and Jesus' actions. Jesus goes to Jerusalem during the Passover festival, and the Passover festival is a time and and an annual time each year in the lives of Jews where they would gather together to celebrate and remember how God had brought them out of slavery in Egypt and given them freedom and allowed them to go forth and live their life freely. And so people would come once a year and gather together in Jerusalem to worship God and remember that time. So Jesus shows up in in Jerusalem. He heads to the temple there, and he finds a market happening. People are buying and selling animals. Other people there are exchanging money. And the animals that are being sold there are for the people to buy so that they can go into the temple and make their sacrifice to God. The money that's being exchanged there, remember we have people coming from all over the Mediterranean world. People are coming and they all have kind of their own coins that they've been using back in their home places. And they need to show up to the temple. And in the temple, to make your offering, there's only a certain coin that you could use. So you had to show up, exchange your money so you could get the right money to go in and make your offering to God there in the temple. So this market is happening. And Jesus sees all this and he begins to cause a ruckus. He starts driving people out, driving the animals out. He's overturning the table. He's throwing the money on the ground. Quite a commotion. And while doing all these actions, he says, stop making my father's house a marketplace. His concern is about this commercial activity that is going on. As far as Jesus is concerned, this buying and selling of animals and this exchanging of money, that this should be happening someplace else. It shouldn't be happening there in the temple precinct. Doing that activity there in the temple, it blurs the lines between business and worship. And Jesus doesn't like that. Jesus wants them to stop. When we think about the two ways to enact change and to kind of um, engage with power, whether you're acquiring power or protesting power, Jesus here is protesting power. He isn't trying to overtake the positions of authority that exist within there in the temple. He's complaining. He's bringing this issue up to the forefront and saying, hey, this needs to change. We need to act differently here. This is like the Boston Tea Party where individuals gathered and were upset about the taxes they were paying on tea. And so they gathered the tea and they threw it into the harbor. They made a mess of things. They made a commotion of the issue. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's trying to raise this matter to the forefront. Jesus, in his actions, he disrupts the whole sacrificial uh, system there that is at the temple and how people worship God. This is the way things have been going on for a long time, and Jesus says it needs to change. Imagine someone coming here on church on Sunday morning, and as we began to kind of pass around the offering plates and take up the offering, somebody stood up and started yelling and said, what are y'all doing taking up this money here in church? And they grabbed the offering plates and they threw them on the ground, and the money went everywhere. And they said, y'all need to stop all this business. If somebody did that, we'd be pretty upset. We might begin to wonder, like, who are you to walk in here and to say these things and to do those kinds of actions? Who gave you the right? Who gives you the authority to tell us how to do these things? Churches have been taking up offerings in this way for hundreds of years, and now you're telling us to not do this? Well, that same kind of reaction that we would have if someone came and did that to us, 
is how many of the people there on that day temple with Jesus responded to Jesus. Jesus' actions were shocking to them. And so some people come to Jesus and they ask him a question. They say, what sign can you show us for doing this? What they're asking there is like, who are you to be disrupting things? What proof, what sign do you have that you have the authority to tell us how we should be doing things? Do you have a letter from God saying that this is what we should be doing? They're wondering. Jesus answers them and says, yes, I do have a sign. Here's the sign that I will give to you. Here's how you will know that what I say is true and legitimate and you should listen to me and follow it. Jesus says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Now the people there, they're thinking Jesus is talking about the temple and they're like, hey Jesus, it took 46 years to build this building. I don't think you can rebuild it in three days. And of course, as John's writing points out to us, Jesus is not talking about the physical building of the temple there, but he's talking about the temple of his body. And Jesus' words are foreshadowing his coming death on the cross and then ultimately his resurrection three days later. Jesus is saying, this is how you will know that what I'm saying is for real and legitimate and that you should listen to it. I will die and then I will raise back to new life in three days. And when you see that happen, you will know that what I have to say is legitimate. That will be my letter from God that you should listen to. Ultimately, Jesus is killed by the authorities. They get tired of him being disruptive and protesting things, uh, doing these things like disrupting the sacrificial system there in the temple. They get upset with Jesus for calling God Father and on and on. When you read through John's Gospels, there's multiple times where people are upset with what Jesus is doing and they talk about how they need to put a stop to him and they need to kill him. Jesus is continually trying to push people in this new direction. If you want to be close to God, you need to listen to me and come be close to me. All of Jesus' protesting gets to be too much, and the people in power decide to exercise their power and put a stop to Jesus. Right? If Jesus, if you keep doing these things, if you keep acting in these ways, we are going to kill you. This is a standard response by people that are in positions of power. When someone continues to try to push for change and you don't want to go along for it, you try to work to stop it. And sometimes you use violence and you exercise violence to stop it. But what happens when you use violence to stop someone or to silence someone and they come back to life? What do you do in that situation? In that situation, uh, violence loses its power. It is no longer a successful tool or means in order to silence someone, right? You can kill them and they just come back to life. There they are, saying the same thing again, acting in the same way. You can kill them and they just come back to life. And there they are, continuing to press and push you to go in this new direction. Violence in that situation will not accomplish what it's trying to accomplish. When resurrection is involved, the victim of violence claims a position of power. They become untouchable. There's no way you can get them to do what you want them to do. 
not only is Jesus' sign, not only is Jesus' resurrection a sign that he is legitimate to act in this way in the temple, but his resurrection is an avenue for acquiring a position of power and to further enact change. Following the resurrection, Jesus goes to sit at the right hand of God to be the ruler of the world. And one of the biggest things that Jesus wants to change about the world, one of the things that he wants to make different in his rule of the world and his rule of people, is that he wants people to stop using violence. Jesus doesn't want us to use violence. And Jesus himself refuses to use violence to bring about that change. He doesn't want to acquire power in that way or control over the others by violence. Instead, he wants to invite people willingly to come and to be with him and to walk away of love and service and to live differently in this world. The temptations are strong to use violence in order to act, in order to engage with power and acquire power. And when I'm talking about violence, I'm not just talking about physical violence. There's violence of all kinds. There's spiritual violence, and there's emotional violence, and there's social violence, and financial violence, and on and on. There's all kinds of ways that we are capable of engaging with violence. There's all kinds of things that we do and say. We offer insults and snide remarks and gossip gossip and threats and on and on and on. And all of these ways are about devaluing another human being about trying to push them down to get rid of their standing before God, to destroy them so that we can do what we want to do. Too often, we resort to use violent tactics even when we're trying to do something good. Beloved ones, as followers of Jesus, we serve one who does not use violence to acquire power, but overcomes violence by trusting in the love of God. Jesus invites us to join with him in walking that same path, to speak out against the wrongs and injustices that we encounter and see in our daily lives. We are to protest, we are to say this isn't good, that there's a different way that we can live with one another. And if the powers in the be and the powers of this world want to silence us and put a stop to us, then we can trust in the love of God that what God did for Jesus, God will do also for us and raise us from the grave. God's love is more powerful than any violence that can be directed towards us. And it is God's love that will win out at the end and acquire all power in this world. Today, hold on to that truth and let it guide you so that you can say no no to violence and say yes to God's love.